The passage of Proposal 3 in last week's general election means that reproductive freedoms will soon be part of the state's constitution. We were one of five states where abortion was on the ballot this year. But Michigan is now the first state in the nation to pass an affirmative, citizen-led, constitutional amendment to guarantee the right to an abortion. But we still have some lingering questions about what exactly happens next. Will the Supreme Court have to weigh in on the state's 1931 ban on abortion? How will Michigan's right to life and Catholic Conference divert their energy in the fight to limit or end abortion in Michigan? The Michigan Catholic Conference is not going to just pack up its bags and go away. They're going to try to find the avenues that they can to place as many limits around Proposal 3 as they can. This is Stateside. I'm April Bear. We know a guy who has been following the politics of abortion policy in Michigan for many years. Rick Pluta is senior correspondent for the Michigan Public Radio Network. He joined us to explain what a future with Prop 3 might look like, starting with what's going to happen with Michigan's 1931 law banning abortion. The statutory abortion ban, um, there will be a vote to repeal it in the state house and the state senate. Um, it will pass. It will be sent to Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Governor Gretchen Whitmer will sign it. That, that, you know, that's, a, that's a certainty or as near a certainty as we uh, have in um, politics and the legislature. After that, there are you know, maybe some things that will need to be done. We know that as a result of the, um, of, of the amendment, it's in the the state constitution or will be as of the end of this year um, so that the basic right to abortion will be protected. Then, you know, there there may be some other things that, um, you know, that need to be worked out in terms of what controls might exist or might not exist. Um, there are probably some budgetary questions in there as well. Those are things that we'll be dealing with in the new year. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a question I had about the other side of this. Right to life has been influential in Michigan politics for a pretty long time now. Can you run us through what forms we've seen its influence take? Um, Sure. I mean, right to life for decades practically existed as its own political party in the legislature before the Republican Party essentially became the anti-abortion party in Michigan and across the country. And we've seen um, those results in laws that were adopted by the legislature, certainly, uh, certainly in budgets that were adopted by the legislature and approved by Republican governors, but also on the ballot that Right to Life of Michigan has been very, very effective over the years, over the decades in getting initiatives adopted that uh, restrict uh, various aspects of abortion rights. I mean, one that that comes to mind that will come into play, you know, anew is the ban on public funds to pay for uh, abortions. Right. Would you say that among Republican candidates that right to life was, you know, a serious force to be reckoned with? I mean, did Republicans in the state really get elected without having some kind of relationship with Michigan Right to Life? The Right to Life endorsement is the most sought after endorsement 
in Republican circles, especially in Republican primaries. It is more valued than, say, a Chamber of Commerce endorsement uh, because it's very well organized and it knows how to turn out its voters, the Right to Life organization does. Okay, so here we are now. Do you, do you see Right to Life's influence being on the wane at all because of Prop 3? That's a that's a great question. And, you know, I'll give the classic dodge of it remains to be seen um, that certainly right to life is not going to just pack up its bags and check out of the hotel. Because for those organizations, you know, this is a profound moral question. They're not going to just abandon the field. Right. And even if 57 percent of the electorate who turned out uh, for for November 8th did vote for Prop 3, it's not like the voters who who did value right to life on their ballots just disappeared out of nowhere. So and there's still there's still plenty of legislative contests where it seems like they might they might want to get involved. I can't imagine that the um, ability of right to life and the anti-abortion movement will that its influence will diminish at least in Republican primaries and Republican contests in the short term. We need to take a break. More with Rick in just a moment. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. So, Rick, I mean, we have to just say it's only a week out from the election and a fair amount of what the stuff I've been drilling you about is speculative. So we may not know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, it, it like how could you see what are some of the ways just to play this out that you could see anti-abortion groups advocates proceeding? I mean, are there are there any avenues once you get a constitutional amendment passed? Is there any way to move forward after that point? Well, I don't want to pretend that I have one of those fancy law degrees. Um, but the way it was explained to me by people who do is that any boundaries around abortions, um, have to be focused on protecting the health and safety and advancing the availability of health care for patients. That the primary, what, one of the things that this established is that the woman, the pregnant person, is the patient You know, when it comes to reproductive services. Uh, that's the person who's the uh, primary focus as opposed to the, you know, the fetus. And so that is the initial protection. So if you can show that a restriction will better protect the patient, then it's more likely to pass muster you know, than, than other things. If a restriction is designed only to restrict access to abortion or to reproductive care, then it would be far more likely to um, fall in a court challenge. Got it. 
I mean, it, it seems like there might also be battles ahead over some of the existing laws we have passed. Like you mentioned clinic requirements or or the state banning public dollars that are part of the Medicaid budget for you sending a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like those might be things that, that anti-abortion uh, advocates might be interested in advancing. One that comes to mind is informed consent. And what that requires is that a healthcare provider, you know, explain the, um, you know, the, 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 any dangers that might, uh, you know, accompany uh, terminating a pregnancy that uh, you would, you, you have to show the patient, um, fetuses at various stages of development, you know, where it would be at the particular moment that a woman might have the procedure. And so the question there is, is that meant to help a patient better understand the procedure or is it meant to dissuade a woman from terminating a pregnancy? And, and that was one of the arguments you know, at the at the time that that law was adopted. And, you know, it, it was certainly meant to put women in a frame of mind where maybe they were changing how they looked at um, a fetus under development. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that could be argued about now. Sure. Uh, As all this is happening, Rick, and we still have several cases uh, playing through the courts at the state Supreme Court level that have yet to be decided, I'm just so mindful of this void that we have from above ever since the U.S. Supreme Court decided Dobbs versus Jackson, striking down those federal protections for abortion. Um, I wonder, does anybody who's involved in these conversations think that there might be some kind of federal action in play? Or is the thinking that this really is in the hands of the states for the foreseeable future? Well, I mean, right now it's in the hands of the states that there's talk of a, um, you know, Congress uh, enacting some kind of federal abortion ban. But, but you know, President Biden wouldn't, uh, you know, wouldn't sign that. So certainly for the balance of this presidential term, we're, we're not going to see it. And considering the reaction that came following the Dobbs decision in, you know, the subsequent elections, is that really something that Congress is going to want to be moving forward at any time in the, in the near future? You know, I was born in 1973, the year that Roe was decided, and I cannot remember a time in the Midwest when abortion was not a part of our political story here in the region. Do you think that that's going to continue to be true in Michigan, even with Prop 3 uh, in in the books as far as the vote is concerned? The abortion controversy is not going away um, just because, you know, one side won and one side lost, that uh, there's going to continue to be legislation introduced, if for no other reason than as a messaging tool, that there are regulations that are going to have to be changed. You know, um, what's going to happen with state Medicaid laws, that Michigan has a ban on using public funds, Medicaid funds for abortions. But I know in Illinois, for example, that there are some Medicaid funds that the state has control over that are used for abortion services you know, in, in Illinois. Is Michigan going to try you know, something similar now that the state constitution says that abortion is a protected freedom in Michigan? 
Just one final note. We did reach out to Right to Life of Michigan to talk more about this. They declined, but we're hoping that they might speak with us another time. That's the Stateside podcast for today. I'm April Baer. You can find full Stateside episodes to listen to at michiganradio.org. Today's pod episode was produced by Ronia Kapansag. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for the podcast comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.